Hey everyone, my name is Noah Barnett and I'm the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, I'm joined again by New Tay, uh, a content strategist that is also the curator of the Good Marketing Brief that comes out every week uh, and comes out to all of our Feather subscribers. So if you're not knowledgeable about the brief, go to feather.co slash brief or find the link to it in the show notes. Um, or in the comments section of this on YouTube. Again, every week we come together chatting with you new about what was in this week's Good Marketing Brief. So let's start there. What, what's been happening this week? What, what did we focus on in the brief this week? Yeah, we are continuing the trend focusing on year end in which we will continue to do so for at least the rest of October. Um, but this week, I really want to talk through and highlight kind of key resources to help nonprofits with conversion. And so I think that conversion, I, I mean, at least for me, I'm hearing more about it in the past few years as we kind of focus more on data and being making sure that we're measuring our results so that we can iterate and optimize our campaigns for success. So I really wanted to kick it off with that and, you know, share some some wisdom in the newsletter. Yeah. And what I love about this topic around conversion is we typically talk about optimizations or best practices or improvements. But unless you know what you're trying to drive toward or what or drive towards or what the conversion goal is, mm -hmm. those best practices and or optimizations don't really matter. You know, even last week, I was providing some educational training on how to think about email marketing at end of year. And the question that comes up is that if you are optimizing your emails or a email to get results, let's say it's um, opens or clicks or uh, donations per email, I'm going to structure that email in a specific way based on what the conversion goal is. Mm -hmm. Now, if I shift gears and expand my aperture and say the conversion goal that we're going to focus on is donations generated by all emails this end of year season. I'm going to think differently about my emails. I might send some that are nurturing, that are telling a story or keeping engagement. I might send thank you emails. And then I might send some that actually drive people to make a donation because I'm looking at the collective whole. Right. Whereas if I then say my conversion metric that I'm focused on is revenue from last year's donors during end of year, mm -hmm. but I don't really care what channel it comes through, how I optimize my emails to support that conversion goal is going to be completely different. Yeah. So conversion goals are super important uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to thinking about growing your end of year fundraising. Yeah. And I, I think you're totally right in that conversion is great, but unless you know what you're measuring for and what you're optimizing for, it kind of, you're kind of just like throwing a target at nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you're just trying to like improve to improve, but there's no exactly. real kind of, it's almost like what they talk about in creativity, whereas the best designers love constraints because I can design within a frame and then yeah. I can maximize creativity. Unbound creativity is really difficult to execute on because mm -hmm. you're like, I don't, what am I doing? What am I trying to solve for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I know you, I, I know we, I shared some examples of conversion goals. What are other things like when we say conversion, if someone's like, well, what does that mean? I've heard that word. What are some other yeah. examples of conversion goals that we discuss in the brief? Yeah, absolutely. I think Honestly, any goal that a nonprofit sets, the end goal is going to be some type of conversion. And I think in our sector, 
where it's more commonly found is through your donation page, right? How is your donation form converting? Meaning of all the website visitors who are stumbling on your website, how many are clicking the donate button and actually finishing the entire process in order to like get you that donation. And so that's the most popular way, but I mean, it can go into anything. It could be, you know, how many recurring givers, how many recurring supporters are signing up for your recurring giving program, how many on the association side, you know, how many members are you converting through your um, outreach programs? And I mean, it can also apply to events. So I think like overall conversion is applicable to any type of goal you're setting. Um, I think it's just a more uh, marketing techie word that's being used um, that applies to measurement. Yeah, and I think one thing we are looking at discussing with our audience later this month on October 25th is how you can use marketing automation to build basically connections between conversion points. And what I mean by this, and so I'll give kind of a plug for this flight school we're hosting with Caitlin Bishop, the director of marketing at the Quad Symphony Orchestra Association and ISTA. Hasty, who's the senior product marketing manager here at Feather, is a lot of times we talk about we want to drive donations, but there are all these micro points of connections that have to happen before someone donates. And so if we just think like A to B is not donating to donating or like in the inbox to making a donation, we're missing the opportunity to kind of bridge the gaps between the other connections that, hey, I need to get someone from their inbox to the website. Well, what if they leave the website without taking the next step. Mm -hmm. What we're going to talk about in this flight school is how do you actually make sure that you prepare or design automations to account for all of those connection points. So if someone does come and takes the next step of, you know, watching the video, but then leave, what happens next? If someone comes to the website, makes a donation, that's a success, but then what happens and how you can use different automations during end of year uh, to really bridge that gap. Highly recommend this flight school. It's coming up on October 25th and you can register with the link in the show notes or in the description section if you're listening to this on youtube yeah i'm super excited for that one noah um because i read that you guys are offering you know to kind of supplement your, the toolkit that we already have templates and i think that is going to be key for a lot of nonprofits, especially those who are trying to get into the year-end plan, but don't necessarily have the means or the resources to, you know, try new things or re refine their messaging. So I think having access to that would be really cool. Absolutely. And another resource you linked to in this week's brief was Next After, who shout out to Next After. They're an incredible uh, optimization organization, educational firm that are great partners, and we really appreciate them here at Feather. But one of the things you included was a link to their year-end report. What yeah. insights did they share in that that will be helpful as our listeners optimize for conversions at year-end? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a pretty robust report, as Next After does, because they are data people who do a lot of experiments with nonprofits and kind of compile their learnings into reports like this. And I like it because it's two-pronged. It's like the first prong is they offer insights into the research of some benchmarks for year end. And the other prong is they, through their experiments, they have some key strategies that have proven to work and increase revenue, increase conversion. And so I think it's really cool. It's definitely worth a read for any nonprofit who's um, doing a year end campaign. 
Um, some of the like the benchmarks that are interesting to me is I don't think this is surprising because I think this is pre- pretty much in line with a lot of industry reports out there already. That over a third of revenue comes from urine giving, and I think that I know like Neon has written about it in the past through their resources, um, but I think that I mean it's definitely in line with industry research. Another thing that's interesting is, you know, we always talk about Giving Tuesday, important day, of course, an opportunity to increase brand awareness, really engage your community, mobilize them, and of course, unlock generosity. But it is not the biggest giving day of the year because it only drives in 6, 6% of total year in giving. The biggest day as, I mean, I'm sure you know, since you've been in the sector and I know from talking to a lot of nonprofits, the biggest day of the year is December 31st the day before the new year, um, the research found that 16% of revenue actually comes, of year-end revenue comes from that day. Um, and then I think the, I, I mentioned that the other prong was, you know, some strategies that you can put in place. There's a lot in there. There's something on a recurring giving pop-up that has been successful for, for nonprofits. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today with um, some swipe files that we're going to be sharing. But I think one that's interesting is asking donors for less than their highest amount. Our next actor did a test mm. with a nonprofit where they tested the messaging, tested the ask amounts, and they found that there was an increase of 194% in revenue when they tried that out with a nonprofit. So definitely worth a read, dive into it. Um, you know, I'm interested in what, what our listeners thought was interesting. So, you know, plot that in the comments, whether it's YouTube or LinkedIn. Yeah, or leave it in the um, in a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you do have reactions to this report. What I want to highlight, though, is it's so interesting is some best practices is always how do we get someone to give incrementally more each time? And so usually you benchmark with like in a, a gift array and you might say the middle is their last gift and then the or sorry, the bottom is uh, their last gift. And then you do like. 20% more, and then maybe 2x the gift, especially when you're dealing with everyday donors, not givers that give over $1,000. But you know, anyone that gives below $1,000, how do you design these like smart gift arrays around previous gift uh, amounts? But what they're saying is, no, if you ask for less and give optionality, you can actually generate more giving, not necessarily benchmark to someone's previous gifts, but just overall in the campaign. And it's another great example of looking at or the importance of conversion metrics or what are you measuring for success? Because if it's just mm-hmm. how much more giving am I getting per donor, I may miss an opportunity to say, well, by using this experiment, I can actually generate more revenue from more donors, not just more giving from the donors that give. And I think that's another thing I love about the next after report is it challenges. It's it's very contrarian and really pushes you to think like, what am I actually after? And then what's the realistic experience a supporter has that mm-hmm. I can then look to uh, experiment with and optimize yeah. for? And so it's a great report. Highly recommend uh, reading it. You can get the link in the brief from this week. And it's free, which is awesome. Next After gives away all of this <laughs> insight for free, uh, which is incredible. So the next resource we cover in the brief this week was something from Tobes Kelly. And Tobes Kelly is actually a new partner with us here at Feather. We're so excited to be supporting his um, just incredible content that he puts out. But this week was around why effectiveness should be a higher priority than efficiency in Q4. 
So what did Tobes mean by that? What's what's kind of the hidden gems in this newsletter that Tobes put out that we linked to? Yeah. Uh, I love Tobes. He he's awesome. His newsletter, Some Personal News, is something I look forward to every week. Um, he really dives into the more advanced fundraising topics, um, especially his experience. He was, you know, formerly head of digital at, at UNICEF. Um, so he provide a lot of useful nuggets in this newsletter. His newsletters are always so robust and so descriptive. He talked about you know, locating Gen Z, talks a little bit about the TikTok channels and Amazon. Um, he talked about the importance of creating themes for the quarter in your, you know, fundraising plan, your campaign planning. And the last piece he kind of dove into is, you know, some strategies he as a fundraiser has has used and implemented that has maximized revenue at the nonprofits that he's been at. And so I'll highlight two, which I somewhat highlighted in the newsletter, which is, you know, the first one is, you know, looking at the performance of your conversion rate and, you know, taking away 25% of that budget from the lowest performing channels and putting it into acquisition for year end. I think that's super, like very smart, very important because you want to maximize on the, like the channels and the, the campaign efforts that you're putting out. So kind of putting the efforts into something that might not be be performing as well this time of year and um, putting it toward, you know, building new relationships with donors who haven't yet donated to your nonprofit, I think is, uh, could be really beneficial. Um, and the second piece is lapsed donors. I think there's these like this golden rule in nonprofits that once someone lapses, once someone hasn't given for like two years, they remove them off the file completely. And it's not so black and white, right? It's not a straight and narrow road of like, you know, once they hit this milestone, they need to be removed. So he really encourages nonprofits to keep them on the file, maybe two or three years after not donating and try to reactivate them through um, email campaigns and, you know, di digital ads. So I think these are two useful nuggets that you can really pull from his newsletter and, you know, go, we'll link it. So like, read it, subscribe. He gives it for free <laughs> every week, his wisdom. Yeah, it's a, it's a great compliment and deep dive into, as you mentioned, some more tactical, but like higher valued aspects, especially if you're a larger organization, larger could mean you know, you're a $3 million organization, or you're a $5 million organization, or you're a $50 million organization. Mm -hmm. But he really gets into the things that matter for organizations that are looking to go beyond what I call like the 101 tactics, right? There's a lot of great things that we highlight that are like, hey, you should do this, or you should do that, because it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, I think what's really important about this article, and the newsletters that Tobes puts out every week is that he really goes into more of like the 201, 301 optimizations. Like you've done all the things that you should do, then what? And it gets a lot more nuanced. And that's where Tobes' guidance and experience at UNICEF really comes into play. I thought the section in the article that says, hey, go right to left on the donor life cycle. And he talks about this idea of like, how are you making sure you're really understanding the full donor life cycle? You're really digging into the different segments of your audience. And then how are you best supporting them? That's what we've uh, subscribed to when we're talking to our clients here at Feather is it's not just about running an end of year campaign. It's really about almost running campaigns towards specific donors at specific life cycles throughout. And he gives some great practical advice. 
one that I think is just interesting is, hey, send your emails early. Um, like just get ahead of it. Like just send requests early. You don't have to send your emails the last four days of the year. Like even though that's kind of like when a lot of giving happens and you should send emails then. His guidance was like, what if you just sent emails earlier and got ahead of it and invited supporters to basically commit to give ahead of the end of your season and the rush? The other was his idea about maximizing branded paid search impressions. So really focusing in Google ads and other paid platforms, ensuring that your brand is really just uh, surrounding your supporters during your end to keep you top of mind and not even looking for direct conversions where it's just like, oh, I'm going to measure the success of this ad on the conversion rate of it. But just the idea that you're making sure that you're front and top of mind for your supporters during this busy season, because you're not only competing with other nonprofits, you're competing with everything else that goes up. Uh, and people are competing for attention, like holiday uh, shopping, um, holiday travels, gifting, et cetera. And so you're competing against all of that. So just really doubling down on that brand exposure. And then the last one, which I thought was just really basic, was what if you just let your donors schedule their donation? You know, there's reasons why don't people or donors give the last two days of the year. They're trying to maximize um, their their retention of cash and then getting rid of it um, at the last uh, two days of the year, especially mm -hmm. with major givers. And his recommendation was like, what if you just like let them schedule their donation in the future? Like if I was scheduling like a bill payments, but at least you're getting ahead of it and you're like, hey, just don't even worry about it. You don't have to go in at 5 p.m. on December 31st before you go out for New Year's. Like you could just schedule a donation. We'll process it on the last day of the month. And I thought that was really interesting and very different than anything else. Yeah, I've heard. I, I was I like that one a lot, um, although I'm not sure of any platforms that have that capability just yet. But I think just having that whether if it's like a nonprofit just doing it, like reminding themselves on the back end and having their staff do it uh, when the time comes is interesting because it kind of I kind of reminds me of, you know, the afterpay or the Karnas. Like mm -hmm. I'm waiting for that to happen in the um, the nonprofit sector. I think there might be a couple platforms out there that are like that. Yeah, there that. are. I've heard of yeah. a few, but they're interesting. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. I do think that there's opportunities if you have the right like infrastructure where you can mm -hmm. schedule one-time gifts for your donors. And, you know, it's almost like a one-time non-recurring monthly gift. So yeah. definitely check it out. I think it's really interesting um, and a great opportunity uh, to consider. Another one I've seen that we've, we've not highlighted on this, but um, I've heard of and highlighted previously is basically inviting your monthly givers to give an extra one-time gift because you already have their information on file. And typically you can schedule like an extra payment or an extra gift on their current recurring schedule. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways that you can think about it. Again, great opportunity to experiment and let us know uh, if you end up trying something like this. Yeah, for sure. The last thing in this week's brief was um, some inspiration that you pulled from mm -hmm. drip on pop-up pop -up prompts. Like, so when you visit the website, yeah. something pops up. What was the example and why do you think uh, it might work for our listeners during your end and what may they experiment with with their own pop-ups? Yeah, I am. Well, I think pop-ups get a bad rap. I mean, for good reason. Sometimes I'm on a website and I'm trying to read a piece of content and there's just like pop-up, 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 no matter how many times I click the X button. Um, so when it comes to in, being an intrusive part of like the giving experience, I know that it can 
um, have some varying opinions in the nonprofit sector, but I, I am a big fan of them if they're used appropriately and, um, and strategically. And so this specific inspiration article that I, that I pulled is, it's basically, there's seven examples of how nonprofits can use pop-ups with real life examples, uh, from nonprofits in the space we're using it. Um, I think that pop-ups can do a lot of good in terms of year-end because, you know, a lot of donors might not even know you're doing anything or if there's a year-end campaign even running. So, like, as soon as they enter the website and something pops up and says, hey, you know, donate to our year-end giving campaign. This is our goal. Um, and just notifying them and letting them know that it exists could be great, right? And they could either donate to it or find another cost area that resonates with them. Um, but once they click that X button, it should not show up again. <laughs> and so if they go to another landing page uh, on your website, uh, you got to want to make sure that you have the technology in place to make sure that's not populating again. And so in this, in this listicle slash article, um, there's a few examples from nonprofits that I really love that I wanted just to highlight really quickly. Uh, the first one is from the San Diego Zoo, which is, I think you're close by there right now, Noah. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, where I'm vacationing, they're right down the street. Yep. Uh, they use it to highlight giving levels. You know, I think donors always want to know the impact of their donation. So, you know, highlighting that and seeing where their donation is, which cause area or what the nonprofit is doing with their donation is is great. Another one is Catholic Relief Services. They had a pop-up for their matching gift campaign. I think during year-end, this is pretty popular with a lot of nonprofits. Either they have like a mega donor who is partnering with them to match gifts up to a certain amount. Um, highlighting that could really encourage donors to give because they're doubling their impact with, you know, giving just the same amount that they would have given. Um, and the last piece is the Humane Society of the U.S. I love them. I have two dogs. I'm an animal person. The mission really resonates with me. They, right now, if you go on their website, they use the pop-up to kind of speak to donors, speak to website visitors on behalf of an animal. So it's just like getting that extra layer connection and emotional connection with the animals that they're helping to serve, I think is really impactful. What I love about pop-ups too is it really is just closing the connection gap between where your supporters are and your cause. And that can be even within your own website. You know, we talk about, hey, as someone's scrolling social or wandering the web or in their inbox, how do we make sure that we're building those bridges or creating those connections um, back to your cause? But also when they're in your website, you're just reminding them of key initiatives, whether it's a matching gift, as you mentioned, or it's of a specific program and saying, hey, you know, here's... Uh, Johnny, the dog that was rescued last week because of supporters like you, like, let's help rescue more Johnny's, you know, this end of year or um, chocolate or whatever dog name you have or other pets. We're, we're, we're not going to be exclusive to dogs, even though I love my dogs. My dog is actually like over there sleeping right now, too. But either way, the, the pop ups are really helpful to be able to close those gaps. And I think this is a great set of examples for you to experiment and try with. And again, the best benchmark for you is your own results. So even if it works for someone else, we want to make sure you want to make sure that um, you're looking at your own results and seeing how it works for you. So I know this week was all about conversions and we're wrapping it up. If you are curious about getting the good marketing brief, again, you can subscribe by going to feather. Uh, that's feather without the last e dot co mm -hmm. slash brief. And you can link 
or click on the link below in the show notes or in the comment description. And you'll get this in your inbox every Wednesday. New, thank you so much for curating these resources. I'm very yeah, eager to sure. see how we continue to navigate the end of your season, especially as attention is the most valuable currency and things get very busy. And so mm -hmm. we look forward to having you in the studio again next week. Yeah, for sure. I am very excited. There's some good nuggets in store for next week. So stay tuned. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for being here, New. And we will see you next Friday here in the studio. Until then. Be well.